0: I need you to find two places in your Bible, if you would. Matthew chapter five is where we'll initially read, and if you'll find Luke chapter fourteen in your Bible and mark it with the bulletin or your your ribbon or whatever you might have there, we'll go there right about the end of the uh, right about the end of the message. Um, so if you'll find that uh, Matthew chapter five, that's where we'll read originally to begin with, and then. Uh, Luke chapter 14 for later, if you'll mark that, and then we'll be able to all go over there quickly uh, together and keep the service moving right along. I'm very thankful that it's not going to snow till tomorrow, I Told my Sunday school class. I gripe all the time. I know you can't believe it, but I gripe all the time about the weather because it always seems to snow on Saturday night or Sunday morning or whatever, but not this time. Thank you, Lord. It's not going to do it till tomorrow. So that leaves today open where you can be here in the house of God. And I'm very thankful for that. Greetings from Miss Pam and Emily, uh, who are still down there with her dad. I know that many of you are praying for her and praying for him. Continue to do so, if you will. We appreciate the prayers very, very much. Matthew chapter 5. Actually, we're going to back up just a couple of verses there. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, Let's back up uh, into Matthew 4 and begin our reading in uh, verse 18. Matthew 4, verse 18, kind of set the context where we're going with this. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a ship with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went. Uh, throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments, and those which were possessed with devils, and those which were lunatic, and those that had the palsy, and he healed them. And there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee, and from Decapolis, and from Jerusalem, and from Judea, and from beyond Jordan. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you." We're not going to look at that whole passage of Scripture, but I did want to set the context of it. Um, We're we're going to focus on one particular thing this morning, um, and I titled the message this. Who? Me? Who? Me? And uh, hopefully I can make you understand that before we get out of here this morning. Let's pray. We'll get started. <clears throat> Father, what a great what a great congregation our Lord has gathered under the roof today. And Lord, I thank you for them. And I thank you for the ones that are watching by live stream also. And we pray, Father, that what we have done thus far, uh, the, the music, the singing unto you and about you, has been a sweet smell and savor in your nostrils. And Lord, that you would shine down upon the rest of this service. And that you would bless the reading of your word and the preaching to follow. We need your help. We openly admit that to you and to everyone that is listening. I need your help, Lord, clarity of thought and speech. Um, Lord, just just discernment to preach this message just the way that you would have it done and to be a challenge to us that are here today. If there's someone here or listening by live stream, uh, Lord, that does not know Christ as their Savior, you deal with them, please. Convince them, convict them that their greatest need before they leave this planet is to make sure that, she, that they have been saved by your grace. Thank you for your goodness and mercy. We pray, Lord, you'll bless now as only you can and trust you for these things. For we ask it all in Jesus Christ's mighty name. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for standing for the reading of the Word of God. And please do be seated. Well, here we are just a few weeks into 2021. And uh, the things that are happening around the world right now make us believe that our time left on this earth is growing shorter. I mean, anybody that's a Bible reader, Bible believer, we have to see that, that that is going on. Um, And with that thought, we should be planning and working hard to be everything that God would have us to be. I mean, we want to be found living for Him, right? We want to be found serving Him, doing what He would have us to do. And for that, I cannot think a better place to start truly in the scriptures than here with the Beatitudes. Uh, If we're willing to be what Jesus would have us to be, then we have to, we must decide to allow him to guide us in the way. If we are going to be what he would have us to be, then we have to decide, we have to make a commitment, we have to make a decision that we will allow him to guide us in the way that we should go. And there's really no better place for that, for a start of that, than here in the Beatitudes. And in the next week of weeks ahead, we'll be going on into the Beatitudes to go through those once again. Um, And and the series uh, that that we're starting this morning is going to be called Beginning with the Beatitudes. Because here at the beginning of the year... uh, Maybe we've slacked off on our commitment to God. Maybe we've slacked off on our walk with God. Maybe we've never really truly established a good walk with the Lord. Whatever the case may be, I'm telling you, to get back where we need to be, or to get to where we need to be, beginning where we need to be, there's not a better place to start than right here with the Beatitudes. And so the next weeks ahead, we'll be looking more in into this. Um, if, we, if, if we are going to allow Him... To do what only He can do in our life. Here's where it's going to start. Here's where it's going to start. Look up here. Here's where it's going to start. It's going to start right here. It's going to start in our heart. God loves to clean up the outside too. He does that. And He's very good at doing that. No doubt about it. But I'm telling you, it all starts. A true walk with Him starts in here. That we, would, that we would submit ourselves wholly. That we, would, that we would turn our heart to God. That we would yield our heart to God. That we would open our heart to God. That we would be willing to do whatever He would have us to do. And I'm telling you, He's going to address some really strong stuff here in the weeks ahead. But it's going to start with a personal commitment. And if we don't make that commitment, we'll not go forward. If we as individuals don't make that commitment, look... Sir, you can't make it for your wife. Ma'am, you can't make it for your husband. You can't make it for your children. You can't make it for your parents. We can't make it for one another. We have to make a personal commitment that we're willing to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we are willing to be discipled by the Lord Jesus Christ, that we are willing to do what he would have us to do. We have to do that as individuals. We have to be willing to work at it, a willingness to pick up our cross every day and to follow him the way that he prompts us to do. Uh, uh, allow me allow me to be outlandish for a minute in a scenario would you do that what if one day you're uh, sitting there scrolling through Facebook and that thing you have in your hand actually rings it is a telephone I know we don't use it for that y'all didn't bring your sense of humor at all did you it actually rings And, and, and on the other line when you pick it up hello on the other line you hear this voice Please hold. God would like to speak with you. Oh, come on. I said it was outlandish. Stick with me here for just a minute. And with the next few seconds, the voice says, Hello, this is God, your creator. I'd like to extend an invitation for you to come up to heaven tomorrow and to do some discipleship with me. And I'll be providing everything that you will need to do so. Um, Will you make yourself available? Now, if you were to receive such a call, what would be your response? Um, uh, 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 tomorrow? Uh, well, I've got plans tomorrow. Uh, you, know, I, you know, God, I'm not really sure this is going to work uh, for me. Or somebody might want to say, Lord, I'm pretty sure you have the wrong number. But I can give you the number to several different people that I truly believe would be interested in this offer that you're making here. I mean, what would we say? Come on, I know it's outlandish. The scenario itself. And it's not going to actually happen in such a way, I know. But if it did, but if it did. I really would hate to think that a child of God would turn down such an opportunity. Opportunity. And yet I believe that many do regularly. God offers opportunity for us to grow, for us to learn, for us to go forward. And we know this for a fact. God is looking for people that will live for Him and serve Him. And, and He's still in with, dealing with hearts today. I mean, He still deals with us today. He cares about us. But there really don't seem to be a whole lot of people anymore that want to answer that call. That want to submit to him in that way. Well, you know, preacher, it's just not my kind of gig. You know, I'm I really I'm, I'm comfortable just the way I am, pastor. I, you know, wait, 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 wait. Me, me? Come on, there, there's no way that I could ever do anything for God and live that way. I mean, that's wow, that's far out there. Surrender to go God's way. You know, preacher, to tell you the truth, I already have a plan for my life. I already have a plan. I already have a plan. My life's all planned out. And and surely God's going to find someone else to do it. Or, Or we hear this, you know, I really don't have what it takes to serve God. I just don't have what it takes. You know, preacher? Well, what is it that God wants in a person that he would call to serve him? To be a follower, to be a disciple. Yes, he wants us to follow him. Yes, he wants us. But truly, he just wants someone that will be available. I mean, just an everyday, ordinary person that will say, yes. Yes, I would be thrilled to come up and disciple with you. Surely you noticed in our reading here that Jesus was not at the seminary looking for men to follow Him. He he didn't go to the seminaries. He, He was not at an institute of higher learning looking for someone. He wasn't in the upper management floors of a corporation looking for some wealthy elite to follow Him. Jesus was out in the world among normal people. People like you and me. Just looking for somebody that was willing to follow. Looking for somebody that was willing to pick up their cross and follow Him. In fact, many times, not, not all the time, but, but, but it, many times, those in position, those in wealth, those in, uh, that, 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 uh, that are, are, are learned people, they resist God. I, I mean, they become so self-secured. They become so self-confident that they see no need to do anything different in their lives. I've got it all together. I'm, going, I'm doing just fine. I, I'm okay. And so they will not allow God to work through them because their own abilities and their own energy get in the way of God using them for His honor and for His glory. He wants to use us, normal people, for His honor, for His glory. I'm thankful that He doesn't have to have learned people. I'm thankful. No for number one, I am thankful. I'm telling you, he'll just use anybody that's willing to say, yes, Lord, I will. He'll use anyone that will make themselves available. God will. I'm, I'm thankful for that sake. No, no, rich, poor, learned, unlearned, ordinary, extraordinary, I, I mean, and you've probably heard it said before, the ability that God is looking for is availability, just with a willingness to learn from him, just a willingness to be his disciple. So if we are going to be everything that God would have us to be, then we have to be willing to say, yes, Lord, I will be your disciple. I'll be your disciple. I will learn from you, willing to do that. If we're going to be a disciple, we probably need to understand what a disciple is all about. Uh, the, the, The dictionary says this, a learner. One who follows someone else's teaching. A disciple, this is a great statement. A disciple is not only a pupil, but also a a devotee, commitment. A true disciple is devoted. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to learn to follow him better. I'm going to do whatever it takes to learn to be what God wants me to be. So to be discipled in the the church sense, therefore, means to be uh, taught to hold fast to the teachings of of Christ. It means to learn to live how he lived. You know, the Great Commission is outlined in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. and, And it's not just salvation and baptism. You know, you must be born again. I'm telling you, it's hard to be a Christian if you're not saved. Uh, Because Christian just means Christ-like. So it's hard to be Christ-like if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. So salvation is very important, and baptism is very important also, but it includes discipleship, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. It's a big part of the Great Commission. There's a lot of people that have been saved by the grace of God that have never been discipled. They've never submitted themselves to be discipled. Uh, for whatever for whatever for whatever reason, there are those and there are those too that have made a profession of faith. I, I mean, I mean, claiming that they've trusted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, who are definitely not His disciples. I mean, Jesus made that clear Himself in John chapter eight, verse thirty-one, where He said, "Then Jesus then said Jesus unto those Jews which believed on Him, He said this: If ye continue in My Word." then are ye my disciples indeed. And Jesus said that. If you continue in my word, how do we learn to be disciples? We get in his word. We have somebody that will help us to get in his word, show us the way that we might apply it to our own life that we might go forward with our Christian walk in our Christian life, be more Christ-like along the way. Look, I really don't fully understand people who would call on God, they would ask Jesus to be their Savior, save them from their sins, but then after that they say, well, now God, wait, wait, God, wait, wait. God, don't try to get me to follow all those disciplines that you outline in, in your word because I'm really not looking to be your disciple in that manner. I mean, I'm thankful that you saved my soul. I'm thankful that you forgave my sin and all, but, (laughs) you know, don't push me too far. I mean, I really don't understand it. That we wouldn't want to learn more about him. That we wouldn't want to be more like him. That we wouldn't want to follow him in the way that he would have us to go. I mean, he is our God. He saved our soul. He forgave our sin. He gave us new life through new birth. It really does not make a good sense that we would not want to follow him. But there's a lot of people out there like that. Isn't that right? No, they're out there. I guarantee you. And it's really a shame. Because if we're ever going to be everything that God wants us to be for him and for others too, because I'm telling you, the Christian life is all about others. Not just about us. It's about him first and then about others. Uh, it's all about others. And if we're going to be everything that He wants us to be for others, we need to be discipled. We need to learn. Come on, that's what Sunday school is all about. And that's what church service is all about. We learn more about God. But also, that's what, that's, what, that's what personal discipleship is all about, too. That we would sit with someone and that we would learn from the Word of God what God expects of us so that we can do what God expects of us. Well, what does God expect of me? It's here in this book. No, no, it's there. It really is. And and a lot of times we need somebody that can show us that way. We need somebody that can just sit there and explain to us what God is trying to show us in that way. No, no, I know the Holy Spirit's the teacher. I understand all of that, uh, truly. But, I mean, sometimes we just need someone that will sit down and take us through the Word of God, don't we? But here's the big catch. Big catch, too. Um, Discipleship requires... Discipline. You have to be disciplined to be a disciple. It requires discipline. What are you talking about, preacher? I'm talking about a readiness to commit to discipleship. I mean, it's of the utmost importance a commitment. Yes, I want to be discipled. Yes, I want to learn more about Jesus. Yes, I will make room in my life for that to happen. You know, it's really crazy. We can make room in our lives for just about anything that we really want. Somebody say amen right there. It's a fact. I mean, something we really desire, something we really want. Man, we can make room for that. We can make time for that. We can clear up our schedule. We can clear up, man, I'm telling you what, we can, no, 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 we can do that. Something we really want. And, and we, can say, we, we can say that discipleship is very, very important because of what we're going to look at in this passage of Scripture this morning. Because Jesus made a really big decision in this. Look at verse twenty-three again. There it says, "And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. His fame went throughout all Syria. They they brought unto him uh, all sick people that were taken with divers diseases and torments, and those that were possessed with devils, and those that were lunatic, and those that were had Paul, had the palsy, and he healed them. And there followed him a great multitudes. There followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee, from Decapolis, from Jerusalem, from Judea." From beyond Jordan. So there were great multitudes. Get this picture. There were great multitudes of people following the Lord Jesus Christ. From Galilee to Capelis, to Jerusalem, to Judea, from beyond Jordan. I mean, coming from everywhere. And it said that they brought into him all the sick people that were taken with different types of diseases and torments, those that were possessed with devils, uh, those that were lunatic, those that had the palsy. It kept going, going. I mean, big, big. Big multitudes of people, great multitudes of people. In a crowd that size, I mean, great multitudes, I I mean, you have to consider it's got to be a lot of folks. In a crowd that size, a group that size, there had to be a great multitude of sinners too, don't you think? No, people that needed what God had to offer. Prostitutes, whoremongers, fornicators, drunks, thieves, liars. Come on, the list could go on and on and on and on these great multitude of people. This wasn't a a great multitude of saints that are already everywhere, everybody that they, everything that they need to be. No, 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 no. I'm telling you, a multitude like this, there was probably a great multitude of sinners from every walk of life, from every walk of life. And we know this, we know that Jesus cared about the multitudes. We see that over and over and over in our Bible as we read the Bible. Uh, Matthew chapter 9 verse 36 says, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. I mean, he cares about the multitudes. We cannot begin to understand the love and the compassion that Jesus had for these people that were coming from everywhere to see him. And when the Bible says that there were great multitudes, we can safely assume that there were thousands of people. I mean, great multitudes of people. But Jesus walked away from the multitude. He walked away. Now look at chapter 5, verse 1. And seeing the multitudes, he, Jesus, went up into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying. Now here's the scenario. There were needy people everywhere. I mean, these people had real problems. We read the problems. And many problems beyond that. Problems for which only Jesus had the solution. Only Jesus had the answer. Great multitudes of people. And seeing the multitudes. So he saw them. Now Jesus saw them. And he already knew their need, didn't he? Come on. He knew. And he saw these multitudes. And he turned away from them. And he made his way up the mountain. And he sat down. His disciples, the ones that he had called, the twelve, then came up to him where he was. And he sat down. They sat down. And he began to teach them, the disciples, the twelve. Not the multitudes, just the twelve. And he taught them, the twelve wait, 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 wait wait, wait wait,, preacher. wait wait, 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 wait. You, you mean that he is taking time to talk to these 12 disciples when there's a crowd down there, and it needs him so desperately. Come on, man, uh, Come on, Jesus left all of them to talk with the 12? Well, that's what it says here. But he had a purpose. Everything he does is with purpose. And he had a purpose. He left the multitudes so that he might better reach the multitudes. What do you mean? He was equipping others so that they might help the multitudes with what they are about to learn. He is going to teach these twelve. He is going to teach, well, at least eleven of them. He's going to teach them to go on to do what he wanted them to do. He was spending time with them. He was discipling his disciples for the sake of the multitudes. Look, I'm thankful to be the pastor of Riverside Baptist Church, but I can't reach everybody. My great hope is that I might be able to disciple some people along the way that can go out and reach others, that can disciple them that they might go out and reach others, that can disciple them that they might go out to reach others, because that's God's plan. It's God's plan. And he was discipling his disciples so that they might reach the multitudes. One of the main reasons I believe that there are not more disciples today than there are is because it takes time. It takes time. It takes time to disciple. It takes time to be discipled. It takes time. And time is precious, isn't it? Come on, everybody's busy. I understand that. We have jobs. We have families. We have responsibilities. There's school functions. There's social activities. All these different things that we're doing. No, I understand everybody's busy. I mean, even with the great time savers we have, you know, those great time savers, you know, like cell phones and computers. Or microwave ovens or, you know, fast food joints or whatever the case may be. We always seem to be pressed for time. It just seemed like they were always pressed for time. We're always just trying to squeeze something in here, squeeze something in there. No, I'm, I understand that. I do. But we have to understand, too, that time was an issue for Jesus. I mean, he grew up living a peaceful life. He worked in a carpenter's shop until he was 30 years old. Then he launched out in his ministry that, that God his Father had for him, of course and now he has a little over 3 years to accomplish that work just 3 years to accomplish the work that God had given given him so his time's precious truly and there's all these big crowds are following him they're needing their needs met and yet he takes time and goes up into a mountain and he takes a seat And he teaches 12 men. 12 men. What does that tell us? Well, it really should impress on us how important discipleship is for every believer. For every believer. You know, God saved us. If you're in here, you're saved. He saved you. And then he gave you the Great Commission. I gave it to the church, I understand, but the people make up the church. And so uh, we're to be a part of the Great Commission to preach the gospel to every creature, lead them to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, baptize them, and disciple them. And disciple them. But you have to be willing to take time to do it. You have to be willing to make time to be discipled. You have to be willing to make time to come to Sunday school and the church services and all. You have to be willing to make time to do that. Which really brings us to a personal question in this message. Would you take time to allow Jesus to disciple you? Okay, let me rephrase that. Do you see a need... Do you really see a need in your own life to give God some of your time for such a thing? I mean, whether you need to be discipled or whether you have the knowledge that you can be a discipler for somebody else. Because I'm telling you, there's a great need for disciples and for those who will disciple. There's a great need. Come on, if we're going to be strong, if we're going to reach people for the Lord, if we're going to walk the way He wants us to walk, live the way He wants us to live. Oh, preacher, I don't know. I, you know, I, I, okay, I, you know, you lost me back there when you said that He was just, took the 12 up there and this, this Sermon on the Mount, this Beatitudes was only for them. I mean there's a big crowd waiting down there at the bottom of the mountain and yeah there was but here's the thing no oh, no no get this here's the thing uh they weren't ready for what he was preparing to teach the disciples they weren't ready for it <clears throat> Verse 23 in, in chapter 4 says, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And people began to follow him. So he was teaching the gospel of his kingdom. The gospel of his kingdom. Now people were looking for a Messiah. They were looking. They'd been taught all of their years. Uh, the the, the, the uh, I- Israelites, they'd been taught all their years that the Messiah was going to come. So they were looking for a Messiah. But they were looking for a kingdom like Solomon's kingdom. These people were following him because he was healing them. Because he was providing for them. He was feeding them. He was there for them. They were looking for a kingdom like Solomon's kingdom. Uh, They were looking for a kingdom, you know, that was uh, prosperous. They were looking for, for freedom. They were looking for power. They were looking for wealth. They were looking for pleasure. They were looking for glory no no they were looking for a kingdom where the where the king was magnificent where the king was was on his throne and waited upon and 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 spoiled and pampered I mean that's what they were looking for truly that's what they were looking for and they were following him hoping that he would set up this kingdom he was preaching the kingdom they were following him hoping he would set up his kingdom some of them were following him just because they wanted what they wanted we can get more bread we can get healed we can get we're looking for the miracles we want to see something magnificent some of them were following just for But those that were that had heard the preaching of the kingdom, the gospel, the preaching of the gospel of the kingdom, they were following him because they were looking for this kingdom. But but Jesus kingdom was not that kind, was not that kind of kingdom. In John chapter 18, verse 36, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. Now, we know this, we know that he's the king of kings, somebody say Amen. Just want to make sure you're still awake. We know that he's the king of kings. But he's a different kind of king with a different kind of kingdom. So those that had not, get this please, those that had not submitted themselves to him, talking about the multitudes down the mountain. No, no, he had called the twelve and they were following The multitudes were following for the miracles, for what they could gain, to see this kingdom set up, for all these different things. So they weren't going to understand. When when Jesus began to teach this, they weren't going to understand a king that was humble, a king that suffered, a king that washed other people's feet. A king that loved sinners, a king that touched lepers, a a, a king that had no royal palace, a, a king that loved his enemies and walked in poverty. What kind of king is that? They weren't going to understand. They weren't ready for it. They weren't ready for what he was fixing to teach them. No, 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 no. But there were the twelve that had answered the call to follow him. So his focus and most of his time on this earth was going to be spent training them. Going to spent teaching them. I, I mean, he was with them. And with that being done, they would have the wherewithal to reach the multitudes. Come on, I'd say he did a pretty good job. I mean, if it wasn't for that, you and me would not be here this morning. There are some of you sitting in the auditorium this morning that wouldn't be here if someone else hadn't been discipled and then come to you with the gospel and shared that with you. So aren't you blessed that someone took time to learn? They committed themselves to sit at the feet of Jesus and to learn everything that He would have them to boo, to boo, to boo, to be. Jesus' kingdom is not all about what you have and what you do, Jesus' kingdom majors on being, on being. The world system says if you have money, if you have status, if you have lots of cool stuff, and you're popular. The world system says that if you're a person, excuse me, that does what you want to do, you know, you live the way that you want to live, no matter how anybody thinks about it, I mean, you ought to be happy. You have all this stuff, you have all these quote-unquote friends and and, and you're just living your life the way you want to live your life, hey, you ought to be happy. That's what the world says. But really, it's been proven over and over again that wealth and fame and earthly possessions do not bring true happiness. It, it, it's not that way. There's a lot of people that have had a lot more than you and I have ever hope in having. And went on to live terrible, lonely, miserable lives. And have even taken their own lives. Because they could not find what they were looking for in the things of this world. In the things of their kingdom. They couldn't find what they were looking for. I mean, we have to think about Solomon here. He had had everything that anyone could ever ask or dream of having. I mean, everything, anything he wanted. He did everything under the sun. He had everything he wanted to have. No, no, there were no limits for him. Whatever he wanted, he acquired. Whatever he wanted to do, he did. And still at the end of his life, he cried out, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. It's empty. It's like trying to feed on the wind. It doesn't mean anything at all. It's not fulfilling one bit. See, in Jesus' kingdom, in Jesus' character, character, good character is what matters. What you really are, what you really, really are matters in His kingdom. And of course, we're going to get onto this, but if if, if you're poor in spirit, if you're humble, if you're one that mourns uh, over their sin, if you're meek, if you're merciful, if you hunger and thirst after righteousness, if you're pure in heart, singleness in heart, wanting, wanting to be what God would have you be, if you're a peacemaker, if you're persecuted, God says you're blessed. If you're persecuted for righteousness sake, you're blessed. So really, when you think about it, do you really think that the multitudes were ready for teaching like that? Now, I'm telling you, they couldn't handle it. It would have gagged them. They were looking for something completely different than that. They they didn't want that. They, they They wanted all the good stuff. They were looking for what Jesus could do for them, not what they could do for Jesus. So with all that in mind, here in the very first month of 2021, As we move forward in this year, will you devote the time that it takes to become a true follower of the Lord? It's a commitment. It's a decision and a commitment. Truly, we as individuals we have to we have to make it. I mean, will you will you devote the time that it takes to be a Christian? I'm not talking about a believer. I'm talking about a Christian. It means Christ-like. A follower of Christ. One that will pick up the cross every day and follow him. Are you looking to be a devoted follower of Christ? Are you dissatisfied with the status quo? I'm doing okay preacher mercy sakes it's not like I'm wicked or anything I, you know come on I'm I'm doing okay I think too often that we are satisfied people are satisfied with the status quo and be become the kind of christian that that when others watch them and their life and how they live that those people say, eh, you know, if that's being a Christian, I, well, I don't need that. I'm, I'm doing that good. The things that we're going to look at in the weeks ahead and the Beatitudes, I just want to warn you now, it's it may be a little hard to swallow at times. I mean, it's... Uh, it's hard stuff. It may not. Uh, it may not appeal for. You, uh, it may not appeal to you to live that way, especially if we look at things from the world's perspective. But we do have to admit, according to Jesus' own teaching, that uh, those that are willing to be discipled are blessed. No, he said it over and over, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those that mourn, blessed are the meek, blessed are the way. Come on, this is Jesus. We trust him, right? We believe him, right? That that word blessed there means a joy and a happiness that this world doesn't understand. No, truly, a, a joy and a happiness that's not affected by the circumstances in our life. We can have joy if gas is sixty a gallon, or we can have joy if gas is $3 a gallon. We don't have to let the circumstances of life affect us. We can have joy if we're living in the biggest house in town, or we can have joy if we have a little, well, place that just meets our need. And it's a joy that only comes from the submission and obedience to the King of Kings. It's a joy that only comes from submission to Him. Turn over to Luke 14. You've got that, Mark. Turn over there. We're gonna, I'm going to read a little bit. We'll wrap it up. Luke chapter 14. Look down to verse number 25. Luke 14, verse 25. And there went great multitudes with him, with Jesus. And he turned and he said unto them, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, and yea, his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, setteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it, lest haply after he hath laid the foundation, and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin be, begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going to make war against another king, sitteth not down first and consulteth whether he be able to with ten thousand to meet him that uh, uh, cometh against him? With 20,000. Or else while the other is yet a great way off, he send a message and desireth conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Whoa, preacher, Jesus said that. He did. We read it. You mean I got to hate? Well, let me stop you right there before we get into all that. He, he He's not talking about literally that we would hate mom and dad and wife and brother and sister. It's not that. It's just that our love and commitment to Him would make it look that way sometime. Come on. Come on. I'm, 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 I really want to wrap it up here. But I'm telling you, there's going to be times if we're really going to be a disciple, if we're really going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, there will be times... We may have to tell those closest to us, look, this is the way that I'm going to live. Yep. Amen. Amen. This is the way that I'm going because it's the way that God wants me to go. Right. Right. And I'm really sorry if you don't completely understand that. I'm really sorry if that, that, that upsets you, but I'm telling you, I've got to do what God wants me to do. Right. Right. My first commitment is to Him. To be what He would have me to be. I mean, if we're not, no, no, we'll not, will not, not make it as far as God wants us to make it until we get this mindset that He is more important than anything else in this world. I love my wife, but I have to do what God wants me to do. I love my daughters, but I have to do what God wants me to do. You know, if you're willing to be a true disciple of Jesus, I'm going to encourage you to even come down this morning and bow before Him. Preacher, this is a Sunday morning service. I, 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 I can see the clock. But just because it's a Sunday morning service doesn't mean that we can't worship God. Commit ourselves to God. do what God would have us to do. No, I want to encourage you to come this morning and let him know that you're willing to sit at his feet and be taught a system of truth that really is just a polar opposite of the mindset of this world. Because it takes commitment to do that. Father, I'll give you that time. I will give you that time, however it works. And it may be even that you that that at one time you were a real disciple of Christ, but you've strayed. Or, 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 or I, I mean your love has waned. You're not just you're not where you were at one time. Maybe it's time just for a refresher course. Lord, I want to get back on track, but I can't do it without you. We can't do anything without him. I can't do it without you, Lord. And I I commit to be a true follower, to pick up my cross every day. And follow you. Uh, uh, preacher? Who? Who? Me? Me? Who, who, you talk? Who? Me? I, I mean, accept a call from God to follow him. I, well, he saved your soul. Why wouldn't you want him to change your life? I can't twist anybody's arm and make them do anything and I really don't intend to try. Because if it's not a decision you make on your own it's not going to be worth anything anyway. I don't want people to do it for me. Because it's not going to last once I disappear. If we don't do it for Him it means nothing. But I'm telling you, when we decide that we are going to be committed to follow Him the way He asked us to, there's no greater life. There's nothing any better. I didn't say easy. I just said nothing greater. Nothing better. Sometimes it's hard. But He's worth it. Because without Him, we absolutely are Nothing. I want to encourage you to make that commitment this morning. Let's stand to our feet, our heads bowed. Dear Heavenly Father, I do not know all the needs in this auditorium. I do not know where people are in their Christian life, their Christian walk, their walk with you. I do know that all of us could stand to be a little closer. There's not one in here, or even watching by live stream, that could not stand to be a little closer to you, more committed to you. Uh, yielded more to You than we even are now. And so, Lord, I pray for those in here that might not know Christ as their Savior. We'd love an opportunity to share how they can have that settled even today before they leave that place. I pray pray that they would come. And then for those that do know You, that we would be committed in 2021 to be true followers, disciples, Learners, devotees, that we would be committed um, to be discipled by you, Lord. To be disciplers to others who want the same. Please help us. Bless this time of invitation that your perfect will might be done. We pray and ask all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our heads are bowed. Pen is going to play. Many have already come. You need to come. Why don't you? Why don't you just yield yourself? Whatever God wants. I mean, whatever God wants. He knows where you are. He knows what you need. He's the one that can do that for you, but we have to commit. There has to be commitment. I said I wouldn't twist your arm. God's not going to do that either. It doesn't make us... He doesn't make us do those things. He wants us to come and He wants us to be what He would have us to be because He is who He is. And He knows that the life that He has for us is much, much better than the life that we have for us. Whatever God wants this morning. There's still time. A lot of, a lot of folks praying. There's still room. Let God have His way. Where the cold's going to sing.